subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, you guys. I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. Talia Tungabailoa at Big Ten Media Days, where Maryland's at now, talked about that he was offered $1.5 million to transfer from Maryland to an SEC football team. Now, I have some thoughts on this. I think he was asked by the Auburn Tigers to transfer. I don't have any intel or information that would lead me to believe that's just a guess on my part. He elected to stay in Annapolis with Mike Loxley, or of course, Dan Enos was this past year. I don't think Arkansas was trying to pay him $1.5 million, But, Tommy, this isn't the only story. We saw Drake May be reportedly offered over a million dollars to transfer to an SEC school. The reason I wanted to bring this up is I wonder if K.J. Jefferson at any point this offseason was at least asked or if he was interested in that. Now, of course, he's your Arkansas quarterback. He's here. But I wonder if anyone approached him about possibly transferring. What was that word you used to describe it? Re- reportedly? Reportedly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see these offers in writing. Now, you're never going to see them. But, you know, I could say I was offered $1.5 million to go work at another radio station. If I don't have to produce the evidence, I can just claim it all day, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying this to a, or a, is a, a, Talia Tungavaloa is a liar. But I think a lot of we were already finding out by just listening to Greg Sankey at SEC Media Days two weeks ago tell us that hey, not everything that was offered was was delivered and given. Mm-hmm. Paraphrasing his words, but that's part of the issue. And I can promise you, everything that's said publicly is not true either. So, you know, maybe he was offered a billion and a half. Maybe that is the marketplace. Um, but I'd sure like to. You know, you're never going to get to see it in writing. I'm a skeptic of some of these comments, though. Uh, because we have heard too many stories about how not not all of this is uh, being delivered upon. Ty, you mentioned KJ. I wonder how big of a push Ole Miss made for him, because I know at the time, back when he was kind of undecided, or at least we thought he was, it seemed like they had a real shot at him. Yeah, I think with with KJ, they didn't recruit him hard enough. At least that's what was told to me out of high school. Like, there's a different when, when in state kids like you can offer scholarships, but there's a difference between really going after him, recruiting, and not. I think Ole Miss is the school that we look to at least as maybe someone that would be interested because KJ is better than Dart. Every Ole Miss fan would tell you that straight up, and I think he's a better fit for Lane Kiffin's offense too. But again, this I, I'm just presenting an idea. I have no idea if it's it's completely fabricated on my part. I would be, just be curious if KJ was fielded or was at least asked about potentially transferring the offseason. So do you you don't take this at face value? No. You don't think he's... Well, I'm a skeptic on everything. But, I mean, okay. but, you know, being offered $1.5 million, why would you just offer up that information? I mean, you're... Yeah. I, think he was, you're I think he was asked about it. Okay, still, I mean, they get asked a lot of questions they don't answer completely or truthfully, right? Happens every time in a press conference. Every, every whether player or coach, that's they're trained to do it, to hide information. I mean, maybe this... This is 
all on the up and up. I'm just a skeptic of all of these numbers uh, and and the way this is going out. And that's why there's an effort to get reform in the in the game early on in this NIL process. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, uh, I guess I, I need to be shown. <laughs> I need to be shown that yeah, there, there was a number. That, 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 and that's just me. Everybody else may not feel that way. It may be exactly the way he's presenting it. Now, in Tuberville and Mansion's bill that hasn't passed yet, uh, help me on understand the, the particulars. In the PASS Act, isn't part of that where the NIL agreements have to be made public from non... Why are you laughing? I'm well, you to... read all 38 pages. I, well, I thought that, you would tell us. I, I mean, we, we were just waiting to absorb to, the knowledge. Again, I'm trying to understand some of this <laughs> stuff. It's just because I read something doesn't mean I completely understand it. That's why I'm trying to that's, get some help That's why you. I try not to read a lot of that yeah. stuff. So, yeah, I mean, do you understand that I, from I, that perspective? I understand the, per, the, the intent, and I don't know if that'll be the law. I mean, there's a difference in a bill and, and a law. Um, is to make it more transparent. I think the word transparent was used several times throughout this description of what they're trying to get done here so yes i do think some of these things with the collectives will be made more public and you'll have an idea of what's real because the problem is what is real market value is tongue of aloha truly worth a million and a half well if he's worth a million and a half what's that make kj worth or what's that make Jaden daniels worth so i mean that's the thing in in the nfl we know what these guys make mm-hmm. so if you're a right guard or you're a long snapper or you're a quarterback you know what the marketplace is and where your value slots in. Well, with all this mis- all this mistruths out there mm-hmm. and no penalty for saying it, I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong. You don't really know what the marketplace is. I mean, you can kind of get an idea in any walk of life, kind of what your value is based on what the market is. Well, right now, I think it's kind of hard to pinpoint what the market is on a quarterback in college football because everything out there has some... The misconceptions about the numbers. Well, do you want your salary to be transparent? Because I wouldn't want mine. I don't know. I don't think you would want yours. And so we're basically... With, with certain advoc- walks of life, that's just part of it. With public jobs, that's part of it. I mean, it, it happens in sports. Mm-hmm. It happens in politics. It happens in public... In, I mean, in nonprofits. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go look up nonprofits and find out exactly what the, the officers and the, and the executive directors and people like that are making because it's made public if you want to dig and look for it so i mean it but that, it gives you an idea is that in every i know or is that a state-by-state basis i know for arkansas there's going to be a if you're going to be a non-profit a 5013c you've got to file certain okay. reports that list out your expenses and um the sec if you want to go look up what people in the sec office make you can find out well if i work in the sec office which is technically a non-profit um you know, the, the, you know, it's just like state jobs and you can look up what, what the state uh, funded part of the salaries are for anyone in the athletic department. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there's just certain walks of life that it is transparent. So I don't know why this, this has to be shielded or, or hidden from the public knowledge. I think for, it's and the, it's not about the public knowing it's about everyone in the marketplace knowing, because if you're going to make it a level playing field and you're a defensive tackle, you need to know what other defensive tackles mm-hmm of similar stats and experience and playing time and performance are getting or what they're not getting. And that will level out the, the marketplace. What do you think a top 25 quarterback in college football is worth? If you want to narrow down well, the top know. 20, top 15. Not as much as getting. probably you would think. So in your opinion, what do you think it's 
worth. We could. Oh, well, what do you think, KJ Jefferson? Is I don't know how to. I don't know how to evaluate that because again, mm-hmm. I come from a perspective of return on investment. I put in a hundred thousand dollars. I expect back one hundred and twenty thousand, something along that line. I mean, fifteen, twenty percent, whatever the, the the risk is. You want the reward, right? So, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around the idea. I'm going to throw a hundred thousand or a million dollars into this. Let's for what? Let's come for, for me as the businessman. Per, donating to the collective, what 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 do I get out of that? Yeah. Well, we know in the state of Arkansas, and I would guess this is another state, the better the football team is, the better the state does as an economy. That's been proven time and time again. I don't disagree. So uh, my, my question would be, I, I guess I can flip it from a non-financial sector point of this. How many games is K.J. Jefferson on the field worth? We saw last year, you got well, clocked you know. by Mississippi State. He's playing with one arm against Liberty, and you still almost won that game, and you lost to LSU. Those were the, the one game he played injured and the two games he didn't play. I'd guess that KJ's worth, if we if we had bet Saracen odds on this, KJ's worth, what, two and a half or three wins? Might even be more? I mean, we've all, all I've heard all offseason is... That sound ridiculous. The, the drop-off apparently is not as much going from KJ... To Jacoby well, Criswell, but let me, let me ask you this: If if he decided tomorrow he wasn't going to play this year for whatever reason, going to start zero games, going to play zero games, what do you think? What would now be your season prediction? Five wins. Yeah, your win total. And you, you're at what now? Six and a half. Six. I just, no, what are you at? I have him at eight and four. So what would it be if KJ plays zero games? Three not four. He said five. So four I mean, non-conference and one. Conference, yeah, I'd probably go with Christian on that. Uh, yeah, so he, so to answer your question, in your three. opinion, he's worth three mm-hmm. games to you. And I looked on the, I think the line has changed on the Bet Saracen app. I believe Arkansas's over under win total on Bet Saracen was seven and a half, and I looked this morning it was six and a half. So I don't know if that's more people um, kind of what uh, the what the deal with that. Yeah. So I don't know. Again, maybe I just misremember that. Maybe it was always six and a half, but I thought for uh, a while. We had the, we had a lot of conversation around seven yeah, and a half. Yeah, and that's what I thought, too. So, again, I thought that was fun. What's K.J. Jefferson worth in terms of games this year? Again, the McCarty-Daniel hotline, 877-377-6963. Again, this stems from the conversation surrounding Talia Tungabaloa at Big Ten Media Days talking that he was offered $1.5 million to transfer for Maryland. And Talia, just to just to put in perspective, he's twenty three years old. Last season he completed he had a good year. Sixty seven percent of his passes, over three thousand yards and eighteen touchdowns in twelve games. I'd say that's that's pretty solid. I'd say uh, I think KJ um I gotta go back and look at his stats, but I think KJ was around that at that point. So I again that's apparent the apparent marketplace for uh I would say Talia's probably top twenty five, top thirty quarterback. In college football. You mentioned the Bet Saracen app. You can download that to your phone wherever you get apps. Apple App Store, the Android Store. Uh, already the line is up for the Arkansas Western Carolina game. You won't find that in most places, but it is available at the Bet Saracen app at 34 and a half. Uh, the Razorbacks are favored there. Major League Baseball, and of course, the Women's World Cup also available. Have you watched any of that? I mean, you got to be up like two in the morning to watch a lot of it. The U.S. uh, survived, I think it gets to the Netherlands yesterday. But no, I have not watched a a second. I thought they played Portugal, but I may be No, no, you're right. It is Portugal. I think they beat Netherlands in either extra time or something. No, they survived against Portugal. You're right. Yep. So uh, you can find all the lines. Uh, Right now, there's uh, 
I guess uh, China and England are playing right now because they got times up then. Also, uh, Haiti and Denmark are playing. So there's in-game action on uh, the Women's World Cup going on as well. So download that. When college football gets here, you'll know how exactly where all the buttons are, how to use it, and you can have some fun this year with the Bet Saracen after this college football season. Jody messages in on the McClory Daniel hotline asking the question, were college players ever get to a point where they're paid more than professionals? I don't foresee a day that uh, that, know, that happens. The, I mean, the, 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 what's the uh, NFL's annual revenue pie? It's like over $10 billion now. It's nine-something. Yeah. I think it's over 10 now. So, now, I mean, college football as a whole, even though there's more teams than, I guess – more markets, but they're not the, the the thirty-two best markets in the country. Um, no, it's not going. It's not going to be that. College football doesn't get more viewership, does no. it? I didn't think so. No. It's railroaded by NFL, and it, I mean it's not even close. Huh? And oh. the biggest college football game doesn't compare to even a regular season game of wow. the National Football League. Okay. I, I don't have the exact numbers in no, front no, of me. No, no, you're right because I, I mean a big NFL game, and particularly a playoff game, would get. 30-some-odd mm-hmm. million? Yeah, just... And a big college football game will maybe push 10. It's, well, the Ohio... So, the games two years ago, Ohio State-Michigan was the highest. It was, I think, 16 or 17, and Auburn and Alabama was right behind it at, at 14 or 15. So, typically, every year, the biggest game in college football is not an SEC game. It's not Auburn-Alabama. It's Ohio State-Michigan. That's the game that people tune in to watch. It's the biggest game. Every, it makes it the most watched. Yeah, it's the most watched game every single year. And a lot of times, again, it decides who is the representative of the Big Ten, not only going to the Big Ten championship, but to college football playoff as well. It happened for, for Michigan this past season. So the college football, as, as much as we love it down here in Arkansas and all across the South, it doesn't stack up to the national football. Like to Jody, answer your question. No, I don't foresee a day where you have more um, than that. And I, I'd be curious. I was sorry. We had a chance to break. If, the, if it does, you're not going to be able to afford the tickets, Jody. Yeah, I'll tell you that much. I would, uh, I would agree with you on that. I had a chance to ask Brett Good a number of questions yesterday as he was on our, our golf team. We actually... Tommy, is it? Where's the trophy? Uh, we did not come home with it. We did not come home with the trophy. Why, why not? I mean, we where, had a respectful... Would you leave it there or what? Uh, donate it? No, we just where, didn't. Where is the trophy? We didn't, didn't... What? We didn't win. We did not win. We had a respectable... We were minus nine. It was respectable. I asked my I asked my uh, couple buddies of mine, Emmerich and Kelsey, say, where'd y'all finish? They were like minus 13. I was like, that's not too bad. It's your fourth stroke. winning score? Uh, they... They did, I left before they announced the winner, but I would guess it'd probably be minus 15 or 16. I don't think anyone... Here's cracked. the real question. How many of their of your shots were used in the course of a nine-under performance? You know what? You can text Brett to verify this, but I believe that I probably we probably used the second most of my shots yesterday, which is way better than I thought it was going to be. How many of your drives were used? Two. I've, I drove the ball horribly yesterday. Did you say, would you say one or zero? I said zero. No. The well, over-under would have been half. Brett, Brett was stroking them yesterday. I mean, he was just piping them down the fairway. I mean, they, again, former college athlete, former Green Bay Packers, Super Bowl champion, and he was just absolutely lacing the golf ball yesterday. We used probably, um, I, I don't know, I don't know if there was five par threes or six par threes. Let's say there were six, so 12 drivable holes. I'd say we probably used nine of his drives. He was he was so on the other yesterday. the other three two of them were yours. Mm-hmm. 
Man. Actually, I, I was I didn't I, I drove the ball well on two holes and we used them. All right. So it was uh it's very frustrating, very aggravating yesterday because I was driving the two t- two rounds ago. I drove the ball really well, but yesterday, uh, not so much. Put putted okay. Irons were just nah. I uh, instead of chipping Tommy, I've been punching near the green. As long as there's plenty of green near, I've been punching and uh, well, bump and run. Brett had one. They he hold out at what he sh- it should have bounced in, but it just missed. He was uh. His chips were on point yesterday. He's a he's twelve. His handicap's a twelve. So he was uh he delivered yesterday. He was uh, I've pulled out four or five chips lately. Unfortunately, they've all been on the practice green. But um, okay. you know that's been the Not problem. The real, he uh, you and Chuck said repeatedly yesterday just work on saying good shot. I yeah. said good shot about a hundred times yesterday. And hopefully, Brett. you were really good at filling the divots with the sand bottle. I did. Yeah, yeah. we did the uh, what's the is it the picker where you um, when you blasted into the uh, the green and you have a to divot tool divot, divot tool yeah we, we did you that call a it a picker <laughs> is the picker that the driving range i guess it, that's the driving range thing i don't know what a picker I know. is i don't that's know that's the uh i actually had I, I hit my three wood pretty good that was actually my best club yesterday it was my three wood my hybrid i hit that pretty we well should be hitting a lot of three woods and hybrids in a scramble on a on par fives Mm-mm. what do you mean what you Shouldn't be hitting a it's lot of three. 200, it's 200 plus yards a lot of times when we have to get to the on par oh. fives. You had a three wood from 200 yards? Three wood and hybrid. We had a 235. The second shot, it was pretty cool. So we, par three, first hole. None of us made it to the green. Brett sailed it. Mine went short. Two others went wide right and wide left. But the second hole we played, Brett had a perfect drive. And then we used, we should have had an eagle. We rimmed out an eagle, but we ended up with the birdie on the second hole. We used my three wood that got us on the green. Sounds like Brett's going to be at the chiropractor and track. Yeah, no, today. he's uh, listen. Sounds I like he'd carry you guys. I, I, I thought he was going to carry us yesterday. He did an excellent job of doing just that. Appreciate Brett not only uh, carrying us yesterday, but we talked. I was asking about what he thought about New York and Aaron Rodgers and the football team this year and whatnot. He brought up an interesting point. And I hadn't thought about this. And again, this is the football player's mind and perspective, and was gracious for it yesterday. The tight end position is so essential in today's college football and NFL. You look at down the list of the best teams in the National Football League, the Philadelphia Eagles, Dallas Goddard, the Kansas City Chiefs, Travis Kelsey, the San Francisco 49ers, Greg Kidder. Is it Greg or George? I always mix that up. George. George, George Kittle. Those positions are so unique to the game of college football. And looking at what Arkansas has this year, and Varkis Gums, who you brought in as a transfer, Nathan Bax, who I think is going to be more utilized in the blocking game, Ty Washington, who's a younger player, and then, of course, Luke Has, who's the, the freshman phenom that we keep hearing about. You can have one of those guys step up, and maybe it's going to be a combination of the four, then that's going to help KJ and company out so much. Because we saw, again... Danny knows utilized the tight end position a lot when he was here last time in Fayetteville. We're going to see some 12 personnel, two wide receivers, two tight ends, one running back this year. And hopefully those guys will block and and, and get open as much because, again, it changes the outlook of the game when you have a, a quality tight end. Well, and we, we know Danny knows likes to utilize the tight end. We know Arkansas recruited well to that position. So it just makes sense that that's going to be, you know, key to it. I think, you need the tight end to take some of the pressure away from the wide receivers. That's a big question mark, um, particularly if they're going to be some amongst your best football players on the field. I mean, we go back to that Bielema time. And I, I think Enos was here at that point when 
you had A.J. Derby and you had Hunter Henry and you had your best football players on offense were your tight ends. You found creative ways to get them involved uh, because you want the ball in your best player's hands. So right now your best players are your quarterback and your running back. But beyond that, you know, you may be making the, the case that you're tight end, maybe your third best football player out there in certain personnel groupings. Yeah, that's a great point, Ty. I'm just sitting here thinking you're, you're spot on with that. Now, if the Cowboys can just go and draft uh, Brock Bowers, that would be great. But yeah. I, I know he wouldn't probably go to the Cowboys. Case example, Brock Bowers of Georgia, the most versatile player in college football. Stetson Bennett's blanket the last two seasons. Last year, they had him and Darnell Washington, another mm-hmm. All-American, All-SEC player. Georgia's found it. You think about some of the Alabama teams that have had <laughs> O.J. Howard and others. Again, that is such a hard position to defend for a linebacker or safety. Linebacker's too slow, safety's too small, cornerback's too small. So you're hoping one of those guys could step up. And I didn't think about that perspective again, that maybe one of your, you got your quarterback and running back, you can say 1A, 1B, wherever you want to put Rocket and KJ. Mm -hmm. But then again, from a skill position standpoint, I think more people would say that you're, you're better at the tight end. Not to say that's how it actually is, but... I think more people are copying well, what you have it tied in the wide receiver just at this point. Listen, you may, and I'll be interested to see if a, if AJ Green's out on the field a lot with Rocket, you know, because you could make a case that AJ Green is amongst your four or five best point. football players. I mean, if the idea, and I think it should be, is to get your best players, get the ball in the hands of your best players, AJ Green's not too far down there. And, and that whole running back room somewhere in the mix of the conversation, maybe not at the very top, but. You get beyond that, and you might be seeing more, you know, finding creative ways to get two running backs out there. They may not necessarily be lined up behind the quarterback. And I would guess Enos, again, has watched a good amount of game film from not just last season, but the season before. Rashad DeBinion in the passing game, he always breaks that one tackle. The best, the best running back on the roster when it comes to breaking one tackle is is Rashad DeBinion. He's not the best running back. I, he's not going to be the second teamer. That's going to be A.J. Green. He's not Rocket Sanders, your preseason All-SEC and All-American. But Rashad's the one that breaks at least that one tackle. And that was an issue that Sam talked about last year. Coach Pittman saying running backs haven't broken as many tackles as they need to. You've got to make that one guy miss. And to your point, if you get those guys in space, we saw A.J. take that one against Texas A&M two years ago. Just down the flats, he took it 40 yards. Get those guys in space. Get your playmakers in space. It doesn't matter if they're tight ends, wide receivers, or whatever. And if you got quality running backs, you don't just need one on the field. Well, you can and, have a couple. And not every play, I mean, yeah, you'd love for every play to work out and to be in the end zone when it's over. But sometimes you just need four yards to get a first down, to keep the game, keep the drive going, keep you in the game. I mean, so, yeah, you know, you, not every play has to go to the house. You know, sometimes you just, you know, we, 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 we think about how, well, if you got that one block, if you have done this, that player would have been over there. If you hadn't dropped the ball, sometimes you just need the first down. Mm-hmm. That's all you got to get out of the deal. 100%. Keep moving them chains. During the summer months, I know many of you are active, going to the lake, going to the beach. And if you want to live a healthier lifestyle and look better on these occasions, then I've got just the meal kit for you. It's Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. And you can get 50% off your order right now using the code 
HTL50. Just go to factormeals.com slash HTL50 and get 50% off. You're going to save trips to the grocery store. Your meals are going to be ready in about two minutes. They're fresh, never frozen. Plus, they have over 34 weekly restaurant options like bruschetta shrimp risotto and grilled steakhouse filet mignon. They have keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie options. Don't forget about breakfast and start your day right with Factor. Take 50% off right now. Factormeals.com slash HTL50. That's Factormeals.com slash HTL50 and get 50% off. Call or text the McClarty Daniel hotline at 877-377-6963. McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. An A-plus on getting the intro I right thought this that week. Was, that was well done, put I, together. Give me time. Give me a Christian, week. Christian, good job, Christian. No, <laughs> no, he's not getting credit for what I did. Can't All right, this it. was not an easy assignment because... It's really the haves and the have-nots when you start talk about starting experience at the school. There's, there's not that many returning quarterbacks that are going to have the impact that uh, you're looking for. And then there's schools like Alabama and Georgia who, you know, I think Carson Beck's probably still going to statistically have a good year at Georgia because it's Georgia. So it's, it's hard to set the criteria, I thought, for this week for ranking the best quarterbacks in the league. But here we go. And we'll see uh, how you guys agree or disagree. Let me, let me ask you one question before yeah. we start. Are you basing this on individual performance? Like who's going to have the best stats, the most impact? Or are you basing this on the best team performance? Or are you combining it all? I'm combining that because I think individual numbers on a team that goes 6-6 six and six don't really mean a lot okay. to me. I'm with you. I mean, KJ had an okay year in the number of games he played, but his team went 6-6 six and six last year. Yeah. And and some of it's you know just gut you know gut feeling and forecasting for what you think is going to happen this year. So I don't really have a clear cut recipe on how how I went about this, but I did look at number of starts, QBR. Um, there's a lot of several transfer guys uh, you know in this league, including uh, including some that uh, are here on the top of the list. Jaden Daniels is where I started. That's you look at every preseason magazine. You look at a lot of the preseason watch list. I think most people, and then when you when you say Ty, that's somewhat of a consensus opinion. I know you disagree and, and think Jaden Daniels maybe shouldn't be there, but as a Tennessee guy, but I have Jaden Daniels at the top of the uh, the Pradco pyramid of power. It's the easy answer. He's got yeah. the best. And we ain't playing games yet. I yeah. mean, we may come mid September. We may have a whole different perspective, but 
based on what we know and based on what we've seen in the team around him, and I got to put Jaden Daniels up yep. there. No, no. 29 no starts, completed 68% of the passes. QBR's okay at 144. It's not as good as K.J. Jefferson's. It's not as good as Joe Milton's QBR. But they don't determine the winner on QBR. I mean, it goes. it's it's in there somewhere, but it's not how they determine the winner of the ballgame. All right, so Jaden Daniels, top of the Pradco Pyramid of Power. I got K.J. Jefferson and Will Rogers on my second level of the Pradco Pyramid of Power. I can't really tell you why I'm bought into Will Rogers but I am. Uh, he's got 19 starts, QBRs, eh, 138, completes 68% of his passes. I just think the kid's a winner. Now, a lot of question marks around the fact that Mike Leach isn't there, new offensive coordinator, new system. But for right now, based on what I've seen to this point, I like Will Rogers and, of course, K.J. Jefferson. We all know why um, we believe in him, his ability to run the ball. His QBRs, 165. The thing I still can't explain, I don't think he's an elite passer of the football, but then you look at his passing numbers and it's 68%. I think you got to go back and watch tape and really study where those passes go. Uh, they're not always, you know, There's, I think he's better downfield in, than he is in the intermediate timing routes, but he does complete 68% of his passes, Bruce. Yeah, I mean, that'll, that'll get you 6-6 six and six and start. Well, I mean, that's... That's, <laughs> that's about like... All right. They're, they're going to be 4-8. and eight. I mean, Well... He, he, well, I'm talking, about he, K, I'm talking about KJ completes 68%. Oh, I, I thought, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about well, both uh, Will are, They okay. both are at 68% last year. So you don't, you don't, so you don't think uh, State wins a single SEC game this year? I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be tough, man. Okay. I All just, right. without Leach, I just. He's got a lot of re- how many I don't, returning starts I don't, they got. I don't, I'm not buying Eight of 11 on yeah, offense, Something like that. They have a bunch. Eight of 11 on offense. What, what was their record last year? Nine. They won nine games. Yeah, they're not going to win nine games. I would, I'd, I'd agree with that. But not a single SEC game? I don't know. All right. Man. I don't know. So uh, Joe's not on Tier 1 or Tier 2. Joe's on yeah. Tier 3, though. He, he kind of leads. That bothers me. You know, okay. Joe. Uh, well, I'll always get accused of pandering to the gonna, client, so gonna... I thought I would not pander to the client this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and put Joe Milton yeah. on Tier 3. See, he's, there's nowhere to go but up, really, Hang for on, Joe Bass Milton. Masters calling. I got <laughs> so <laughs> Joe Milton, here's the one thing that if you want to say, well, why, why Tier 3? He's got two career starts. Yeah, but one of them was in a bowl game against Clemson. Yeah. He's got the strongest arm in the Southeastern Conference. He's got the best QBR, but he's got the most he's got the most limited amount of work to judge his his skills on. McCoy. Is that fair? Well, that, that's fair, but they're coming off an 11-win season and yeah, but, but you can't credit offense, him with all those, you know. No, 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 no. I'm not I'm not even talking about that, but their mm-hmm. offense that that is predicated around the quarterback making decisions. I mean, it's it's like Greenwood football. I mean, they're, they're going to put the ball in play, and the quarterback is going to have opportunities to put the ball down. Tennessee wants to throw the ball downfield. You're going to get 50, 60, 70 yards of chunk. And, uh, 64% know, complete. Yeah, and not, passes. not a lot of interceptions from Milton. He's going to overthrow a lot of people. That's his bugaboo. He, he's he's going to have a post pattern, and the guy's going to be open 60 yards downfield, and he's going to throw it 70. You know, that that's, that's the frustration with Tennessee fans and Joe Milton. But, you know, but, hey, it's it's the first ranking. I think Will Rogers is rated too high. I think Jaden Daniels is rated too high. But it'll all play out. Joe Milton is the top in the league returning quarterbacks and passing a figure from last year. Pass efficiency numbers. You mentioned the interceptions. He had no interceptions on 10 touchdowns a year ago. So huh? he could do that all year. Yeah. You're going to have him ranked number one. Who else on tier three? 
Tier three, Spencer Rattler. Okay. South Carolina, Jackson Dart, Ole Miss. Uh, Spencer Rattler, of course, transfer quarterback, 17 career starts uh, in the uh, mid-60s in completion ratio. When you just compare it to the rest of it, I'll go over the other quarterbacks in the league. The Jackson Dart, uh, the junior, 12 starts, uh, 143 QBR at Ole Miss. Then you start looking at the list, and the the rest of these guys have limited experience. Dart, Dart might not even be the starter. Possible. Spencer Sanders could end up being the starter. I mean, it's not a guarantee. Everything you read, though, Jackson Darts, it's his job to lose. The kid from Kentucky did have a 3,000-yard season his junior year at NC State. Devin Leary. Yeah, Leary. And and most of the ratings, he's top four, top five, just based on what he's already done. Yeah. Yeah, He has 20, and I've got him, you know, I've got, in in no particular order, just went through him kind of alphabetically by division. I mean, we don't know who the starter's going to be at Bama, so you can't. You can't put any of those guys no, in there, no. um, you know. Whether it's uh, Bugner or whether it's Milrow, it, it, you don't you don't know. Um, Connor Wegman at A and M, four starts, new offensive coordinator with Bobby Petrino yeah. that you think's going to improve the situation. You feel better about what he's going to do than the Alabama quarterback. But really. how do you put him in the top six? No, you don't. You okay. don't. But you feel Robbie like, Ashford. You feel like no, he's going to do something. Robbie Ashford. No, thank you. Carson Beck at Georgia. I bet in the end he has some pretty good numbers. I bet they. I bet they win a lot of ball games. That's like bowling with but the rails up, though. That's he's what, he's not. He's be. never started exactly. He's never started a game. He's played in seven and mop up but, duty. But he doesn't have to. Yeah. I mean, Ty could play quarterback at Georgia and Exa- they could win ten games. Yeah. So I can't put him in the top six. <laughs> Devin Leary. Grant at, at Kentucky, you mentioned him, 26 starts, most of that at NC State. Uh, Graham Wirtz at Florida, 32 starts, all of those at Wisconsin. Mertz is a bum. That's why if a Florida's, you know? I mean, Florida's, Florida's going to be terrible this year. Brady Cook at Missouri, so. one start. They're going to be bad. Y'all are going to kill them. I hope so. A.J. Swan, I mean, to me, the top six, I mean, you can disagree with the order, but it kind of writes itself yeah. right now. Right now, I'd say with outside, no games outside of Leary, I, I would say you got it right. I, I think Leary probably okay. is going to be up there. And again, and you may he, be he right. Won, he won. Uh, what did they win? Ten games his junior year at NC State. He had 3,200 yards. Uh, yeah. Had a really good junior the only, year. Yeah, Tommy. The only one. I don't think it'll look anything like this come about October first. But heading into the season. But heading into the season, I don't know how I put. I mean. It's well, kind of well, by default. Here's well, KJ has to be up there. I mean, he's he's got the most seniority, and we and we know he's the best dual threat quarterback. It, yeah. it, it, to me, it's just a matter: are they going to be six and six? Or are they going to be nine and thir- nine and, and three? And listen, if we flip Milton and Will Rogers from tiers, that'd be fine. But I thought it'd create more conversation if I put him on tier three. <laughs> well, you did. You did. Who's Tennessee? But, uh, Virginia? Uh, yeah, that's like what a twenty-eight something line. Virginia? Yeah, Virginia. It's, yeah, it's in Nashville. It's going to be a massacre. Titan Stadium. Okay. That's the first game. Okay. But he's he's got uh, Florida and uh, South Carolina early. They moved the Georgia game back uh, in November, which typically that's an early game. Second week of the season? Or yeah. second week of, excuse yeah, me, of t- November? You know, tip, yeah, typically Tennessee plays Georgia and Florida. You pretty much know the East, at least in the old days, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee. You'd have known that. Going into uh, yeah. into September, you know who's going to be in the driver's seat. Well, but now you Tennessee's got to take care of business to hope to be in play for that Georgia. Game. Play Virginia and Nashville, as you mentioned, then Austin P, and then go to the swamp September the sixteenth. We've been talking about that game at Baton Rouge for Arkansas, and maybe heat and humidity being a factor potentially there. I can promise you, September sixteenth in the swamp, that that'll be a physical be a challenge. 
Okay, what? real quick on Austin P State University, Clarksville, Tennessee. Let's what, go what, P. There you go. Let's go you P. Knew you knew it. Come on, man. They were there in Little Rock in 2008. I think they played Texas that day, and everyone was chanting, "Let's go P." The governors. Yeah, they are. Uh, that was a lot of fun. So I wanted to ask you this to tie this into Arkansas. What is? Do you, you guys know the longest SEC losing streak every year? Yes, yeah, it's, it's Kentucky against uh, Florida. It's, no, it's Arkansas against Bama. Yeah, it's the Kentucky longest. Kentucky beat them. No, no, no. It, it's like 27 years in a, in a row. Mm. Uh, oh, Kentucky's beat them. No, but, but I mean, the you can look it up. It's it's the you talking about the longest single losing streak? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I'm talking about. Sorry, I should have put that in perspective. Currently, that's ongoing oh, at this point. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, you, know, thank, and, you can thank us for breaking. Yeah, because y'all 15. were in the exact same boat that Arkansas was. We hadn't beat them since 06, yeah, right? 15 years. Okay. So again, Arkansas, Saban is 16 and a really good piece by Connor O'Gara and Saturday down south. And I was reading up on this. Now, what he also pointed out. So Arkansas has only scored 20-plus points five times in those losses. KJ's been two of those. And by the way, Kentucky's won three of the last five since breaking that 31-game losing streak. I didn't realize it was... Against Florida. Yeah, yeah. that's against insane Florida. how long it was. Pittman's beaten every SEC West team against Bama, except Bama. And well, I, There are a lot of people who can say that. Yeah, but I mean, the fact that Nick Saban is 16-0 against you, when you guys finally got that monkey off your back, which I think Arkansas is going to do this year finally, I don't know why, but I just think it's going to happen. What did what did that do? <laughs> Present I, some evidence. I do please. know why, but Present some evidence. No, we don't we're, we're running out of time. Well, you know, you just as fans, you just you're hugging a little more, you're high-fiving a little more. I mean, we're still high-fiving. I went to Alabama last week to the uh, distribution center in Birmingham. I wore my orange, you know, and I'm rubbing it in all the Alabama's people's faces. Of course, the smart ones are like Okay, you're fifteen. We're fifteen and one now. Okay, I say yeah, but years. we're undefeated for <laughs> five hundred thirty-seven days or whatever yeah. it is. But yeah, it's, it it means something. I mean, you know, to get to finally be able to say you beat Bama, I didn't have to. You know, I didn't know if I was going to die. You know, I yeah. never see us beat them again. And well, it, that would be what would kill you. But you know? <laughs> it was it was the dramatic fashion. You know, they missed their field goal. Hooker made two passes. We made our wobbly duck field goal, and then. You know, we had a seven billion dollar fine for a hundred thousand people rushing yeah. Neyland Stadium. I mean, but and you yeah. had to get the goalpost out but, of the river. Hey, so. it gives you something to talk about with your dad, your brothers, your family members, your friends. You reconnect. I mean, he's just on the phone all night. You know, might have smoked well, a cigar. I can't confirm or deny that. But you just you, you do those yeah. things, and when y'all beat them, it'll be the same thing. You just I hope you beat them before Saban retires, because you know I don't think you got a few it doesn't more mean chances. anything. It doesn't mean nearly as much if. If Saban's not on that other side. Yeah. Line. Well, that would be, I mean, you would go. It would be the same thing last year, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember not too long ago, I mean, Bill Fulmer's one of the reasons Nick Saban's in Alabama beat him seven in a row. Tommy Tuberville beat him six in a row. You can't lose to Tennessee and Auburn and be the coach at Alabama. They went through several of them. Mm-hmm. They got Saban. Well, now it's flipped. It's you the know. opposite. 16-0, Tommy. Saban is 16-0 against Arkansas since arriving in Tuscaloosa. That's got to come to an end at some point. And he's gone through Nutt, Petrino, Bielema, Morris, and, well, we know, and again, but, Sam's yeah. beating every every SEC West team outside of that. And he can you can ask you can ask Coach Pittman about this. How much would it mean if you actually beat Alabama? He'd give you the cliche of be it's big win. Uh, but that, that would be monstrous if they somehow went to Tuscaloosa this year and won. And I think they're going to. I think they're going to break that streak this It'd year. It'd help you this year. It'd help you recruiting for this year. It'd have a one- to two-year effect, but we're not seeing any evidence that it's a 
program changer. That I, hey, no, you, you know, Tennessee is the perfect example of that. No one thought yeah, anything to Tennessee, but prior. Ole Miss and Mississippi State beat them too. And I, you know, you can't say that it's been program changing for Mississippi Hugh State. Hugh Freeze beat them twice. Yeah, you know. I mean, you know, so I mean, I, I mean, there's examples both sides. I mean. Um, I think it's program altering if you finally do it. Because I, think I think it is well, short term. Tennessee's in a different echelon now than we thought they were. They are. They are. Well, here, here's the deal. Arkansas, you could say the last two times they played Alabama, you're three or four plays from saying could have won that game. Yeah. You know, you think last year. Mil- close the gap. Arkansas Mil- Mil- closed the Mil- gap. Milrow not running wild when Ooh. he got him third and whatever, yep. and he runs 70 yards. Third and 16, 20, that, does, that doesn't happen, you know, but, I mean, it didn't happen, but it's not like you're lining up and getting blown off the field 40 to nothing. You could say, if we'd have taken care of business in a couple of areas, that, that we might have had a chance to win yeah, that yeah, game. Some of them 52 to nothing, 52 to threes, yeah. just, oh. Yeah, oh. yeah. yeah. first year, Mac Jones pile-drived you, and then last two have been close. And you, it, the key with Alabama, you gotta you got to be able to be in the game in the fourth quarter. You well, got you got to be able to withstand it. You got to be physical on the better line. Better be you better be in the game in the first quarter at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I mean the biggest key to beat Alabama is the the dual threat quarterback. I mean, there's like been one or two in the past decade or so that haven't been dual threat. I mean, you go down the list: Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel, Joe Burrow, all these guys that have been Jaden Daniels, Jaden Hooker. Go. I mean, these are guys that can run and throw. And you have a guy that can run and throw because what happens is what what kills Alabama is when plays break down, the quarterback gets outside the pocket and makes a play. You have a guy that's done that the past two years. He just needs some help this year. Well, it's like last year, Jalen Hyatt, five touchdowns, one game. They didn't adjust. They didn't double cover. Mm -hmm. They said, no, we're Alabama. Fantasy football season is here, and Buffalo Wild Wings is your headquarters for your draft party. Buffalo Wild Wings has draft kits that include a draft board and player stickers. You won't go hungry with this dine-in fantasy bundle for your draft party. Get 50 traditional wings, 50 boneless wings, two trays of party wedges, party-sized chips and salsa, and a party queso dip, all for only $150. Plan your fantasy football draft party and get more details at your Buffalo Wild Wings in Fort Smith, Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, and Jonesboro. Buffalo Wild Wings. Beer. Wings. Football. It's Christmas in July. Give your family the gift of true comfort this summer with an HVAC system replacement from Pascal. No packages to unwrap, no batteries to buy, and no assembly required. Financing is available for as low as $99 a month and no money down with up to $2,000 in tax credits and savings. Don't wait for December. Get your holiday savings now. Schedule your free estimate today. GoPascal.com. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. 
KJ Jefferson, Rocket Sanders, two of the 85 guys named to the preseason Maxwell Award watch list. One of only 16 schools and only three SEC programs that have two guys on the roster. Maxwell given to one of the best players, the decided best player in college football at this point. Tommy, I've told you once, and I'll tell you again, I think Rocket Sanders is going to wind up being a finalist for the Doak Walker Award. I don't know if he ultimately wins it. Quinshawn Judkins, Blake Corum, Trevion, I think it's Travion Henderson, Ohio State, will probably be up there as well. But I think there's a really good chance we see Rocket at the College Football Playoff Awards at the end of the year. I was just looking here at my uh, Phil Stills. He's got preseason Rocket first team running back. Uh, Jarquez Hunter from Auburn second team. Uh, Milton from Georgia third team. And I don't know if this folded up here. He's fourth team. Doesn't matter. But the question is, can he be the best amongst the uh, – can he be the best in the SEC, the clear-cut best running back mm-hmm. in the SEC? Let's start there. And, hey, that's a mouthful in this league, and I think it's going to be your Chuck's talked about this. I agree. I don't want to say complete return to old roots, but I think you're going to see more physical at the line of scrimmage running the football type of uh, type of football this year in the SEC, mm-hmm. particularly in the West. Well, you look at, go back to your quarterback rankings, mm-hmm. Jay Daniels running quarterback, K.J. Jefferson running quarterback, yep. Rodgers and Milton Moore throw it. I say Rattler throws it more. Dart runs it. So four of your top six quarterbacks are mm-hmm. people would liken them and, as dual threat guys. And Milrose, the guy at Bama, we've seen his ability to run. Unfortunately, uh, yeah. So I mean, you can kind of go down the list. I don't, you know. So yeah, I mean, you go through the through this list, and there's going to be half or more of the league probably with running RPO type quarterback. Yep. Arkansas got another commitment in the class of 2024. Ju- Jeremy Juju Cook out of Alabama, 6'3", 195. Now, unless I'm wrong reading this, who wasn't offered, I think, by Alabama or Auburn, which I thought was kind of interesting, but Arkansas again added their 17th commit in the class of 2024. Fall camp gets underway this Friday. Here we go, do that. Again, that's where the guys will report. We'll get a chance to hear from Coach Souders and Sam Pittman tomorrow. That Odyssey audio, courtesy of Whole Hog Sports, gets everyone again excited. Are you going to go on Friday or any point this weekend? No, I'm, I'll wait and. I want to go when they got pads on. I mean, I'll read about who was there. That's but fair. I mean, I want, there's only so many days I'm going to have time to go. And only so many, you're going to stand out in the heat in all of them. So yeah. if I'm going to go, let's, let's watch, let's, let's see physical football. And uh, the first few days, you won't see that. Again, on Friday and Saturday, it's going to be over 100 plus as a high. So these guys are, even though they're not decked out in pads, it is going to be hot outside. And the uh, people watching on the sidelines, coaches, media, whatever, it's going to be uh, sweating a little bit as well. There's no question about that. We mentioned Sam Pittman and Coach Souders. Get a chance to talk with them tomorrow. Also get a chance to talk with Eric Musselman, Jeremiah Davenport, L. Ellis, and Tremont Mark later on this morning. Get a chance to to hear from them. We've Again, they don't have a, a road trip in terms of going overseas like they did last year, so maybe not as much attention will be pay, paid to August basketball practice and summer workouts and whatnot, but I know there's an excitement level for this basketball team what they've added. Yeah, we've talked a lot about summer workouts and football, and you know Ben Souders is going to meet with uh, the media tomorrow. We, we don't pay a lot of attention to that in basketball. In fact, I think we don't even really 
consider that a lot, but they've, they've been active this summer doing their stuff and it's become more year round. Um, now they'll get into a handful of practices when school gets underway. And then, uh, you know, they got a lot more attention last year because what was it, Spain that they were going to. So, uh, you know, this year you don't have that type of trip, but you've got a really good preseason or early season tournament. You got Duke on the schedule, you got Purdue an exhibition game. There's a lot to talk about that's all going to happen before Christmas gets here. And you've also added Oklahoma on December the 9th in the BOK Center. Once again, that game in Tulsa. The last game, neutral site that will be played in this series. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 o'clock. A lot of Arkansas fans. I would say in attendance last year, I would say it was probably 70-30 or 60-40 Arkansas to Oklahoma, and I would guess it's probably going to be the same. I don't think Oklahoma's going to be that good yeah. basketball this year, and I think you're excited about your basketball team. Hey, you can get your room down there at the Doubletree or the Hampton Inn. You can walk over to the game. Get you, There's a lot of good restaurants in downtown Tulsa you can go to. You, know, you can pick your, pick your place. You can wander over to the Art District a few blocks over, and uh, there's a good variety of bars and watering holes over there. Then work your way back over. I mean, there's so, so much right in and around the BOK. And if you stay downtown, you can make a nice weekend of it there uh, at the BOK. And that's an NBA-level facility that mm-hmm. doesn't have an NBA team. They're going to play some Thunder games there. So, you know, you, if you want to go see Jalen and Isaiah Joe, you can go over there and watch those guys in some preseason games that are going to be played at the BOK as well. So most of us have been to a concert or something there over the last 10, 15 years. I went to an NCAA um, tournament there that was, you know, a sub-regional that was there. So they host a lot of big events at that BOK, and this will be one of them this uh, this December. Last thing, baseball-wise, Zach Morris reportedly from 247 Sports going to TCU to play his final season in Fort Worth. That announcement came out yesterday. That is going to do it for your Hog Update this morning. Brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey call 888 Eight Sparky. Let's go to the McClarty Daniel hotline where the mouth is waiting on us. Good morning, Brent. Good morning, Tom. Tommy. Good uh, morning. Enjo- enjoyed your uh, talk with uh, their uh, what's the what's the gentleman's name? Bruce Stanton uh, with Pratt Copish. Yeah. He was a, a longtime sports editor at the Southwest Times Record, and uh, he knows his stuff. Okay. Yeah. He does. He he does. Um, now, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, uh, and I don't mean this bad in any shape or form towards uh, Joe Milton, but uh, he was he was the starting quarterback at Michigan, right? I can't remember if for, he started, but I know he was there in Ann Arbor at one point for for a few for a few games and. Uh, I think, and y'all were talking quarterback tiers. The uh, one, the one quarterback that I I feel sorry for, sorry for, or I don't know how to put it, is uh, Will Rogers having to learn a whole a whole new system under a new offensive coordinator because of the unfortunate passing of Mike Leach, and they just always seem to be on the exact right at the same page all the time and think he's a really good quarterback but uh, I just wanted y'all's opinion on that 
Well, Brent, thanks for the, the call this morning. I, too, feel for Will Rogers. Anytime you lose anyone close to you, particularly your head coach, I can't imagine what he's going through. We had a chance to catch up with him at SEC Media Days. And, again, under Zach Arnett, we'll see how they do this year. Pick dead last in the SEC West. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Tom, welcome in, as always, to your usual time slot here on a Tuesday. I know that, again, Friday, everything gets going for Arkansas and preseason camp. A lot of the starting positions, at least in our eyes, have been locked up. Is there a player that you feel like are players that have a chance to to maybe solidify themselves as a backup? Or who do you feel like has a chance to, to really improve his stock in the next couple weeks? Oh, good morning, guys. It's a pleasure to be on with you this morning. And when you said the program notes, uh, this one got me happy because I think there's going to be, <clears throat> when you consider all of the ads from the portal after spring ball, there's going to be some major competition. I'm sure the coaches are pretty happy that guys like Booker on the defensive front and uh, Kelby Rose, the guy from Louisiana Tech, um, are, you know, those guys are going to be fighting for time. And I think at linebacker, um, you know, we saw that, that Poupal and, and Antonio Greer were kind of the main dudes, but Jordan Crook is a, like a young leader on this team, and so he's going to be fighting for, for a position on the depth chart. I'm going to throw out a name we haven't talked about a lot this summer because, you know, the transfer receivers got a lot of hype, but I think Sam Bakke, uh is going to, like, make a push. I think I talked to his coach, uh, Shane Queen, yesterday uh, about Malachi Singleton. You know, those guys came from the same high school, North Cobb and, um, near Kennesaw, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Bakke, he probably heard everybody or saw everybody writing and talking about all the transfer guys. Um, but he and Jadon Wilson are kind of the holdovers in Satania and a few others. And I think he's going to make a move. So, And then the safety, the safety positions and the backup quarterback spots are going to be um, on examination all camp. Tom, I was going to ask you about Jaden Wilson. Again, talking with Tom Murphy on the McClarty-Daniel hotline. He was a guy that Sam Pittman, I think a year or so ago, said, no one knows who you are. You get to make a name for yourself. What kind of impact do you think he could have this season in the wide receiver rotation? Well, I think he can. And um, he tweeted something the other day about, I'm reading everything, you know, like, so... You know he's motivated. He um, during the winter, Sam Pittman talked him up heading into spring ball. Like this, this kid made some moves in the off season, and then he broke his leg. Yeah, 
And so he, he's going to be highly motivated to, uh, you know, be on the page with KJ, understand the offense, um, and, and get out there and make plays. I mean, one of the first impressions Arkansas fans will have of him was that he, he had a drop in a, I can't remember the game, but it was like a third and four or something. And KJ hit him in the hands and, you know, I think he was turning, but he dropped it. And you're like, well, kid, that's not a way to stay on the field. And things like that, I'm sure, are very motivating for him. So I, I think we're going to see the best version of Jadon Wilson coming into the camp. Tom, I was I was uh, opining earlier that you can't overreact to the to what you see these first two or three days. Helmets and shorts, and you know, some people will try to to, to declare uh, you know winners and losers for the season based on what happens the first few practices. How, how do you approach the first few practices, and what's more important than roll call these first few days? Well, um, roll call, looking at depth, uh, things like that, who gets dinged up. Um, but I think we try to put it all in perspective. We understand those first few days, the linemen aren't getting the, the significant looks. But I, I tell you, they have found a way to practice um, when they are not in full pads that, that, that has a level of physicality to it that you wouldn't have seen six or eight years ago. They just they practice physical. Um, but, yes, um, we're not going to we're not going to blow out you know overblow anything that occurs before the pads get on, um, but we are going to be aware of um, you know who's who's catching passes who does who does KJ look for the most um, those kinds of things and then honestly the safety depth I mean we know Hudson Clark will be back there and you know there'll be Malik Chavis and there'll be some other guys but you know where does Jaheim Singletary line up. Um, uh, what about the, the the other new DBs? That, there's going to be a lot of questions in camp for those guys. Yeah, and I think, you know, listening to Coach last week when he was with us, looking at the O-line depth and, and the battles for the number two spots, and he talked about not letting one injury create two moves. I think uh, who could be the backup center and whether or not they can be a someone that can walk into that position behind Bull Limmer is important. He mentioned Wiggins last week, uh, Amari Lim, uh, Wiggins, that, to me, is another interesting watch that probably won't get a lot of attention in camp, but might uh, might change the course of a few decisions throughout the season. You're, you're right, absolutely right about that. and I, I, guess, I bet you Wiggins is going to get some real good shots with the number two, number two O-line um, because um, I, I want to say that, you know, they, had, they, were, they were moving some dudes around, and I think maybe Street got some looks. Um, you know, he's a, he's a walk-on, and so... Uh, I'm, I'm sure Wiggins will get every chance to be a, a guy who travels and earns the number two center spot. Yeah. And can Patrick Kudas hold down that right tackle spot? I think the tackle positions are still up for grabs to a great degree. There's probably three guys competing for two spots there. I think so. And, um, you know, Crawford and Harris, I think, are going to be able to play both. Uh, but they they really need they need Devin Manuel and they need Patrick Kudas to be pushed. I mean, these guys... Yeah. Um, when you're replacing both your tackles in the same offseason, there's a l- level of trepidation that comes with that. And and so um, they'll be under great examination. The good thing being that they've got some veterans on that line and Latham and Lemmer and that you know, and Crawford's been here a long time now. I mean it it's it's time for Crawford and I think I said this last week, but those Pittman recruits, you know, not on the O line, not a lot of those guys have hit the field. Um, much for the Razorbacks so far, and I think it's time they began contributing. Tom Murphy with us on on the McClarty Daniel Hotline, and Tom 
to that point, I uh, know there were, you just talked about kind of the changing at the, the tackle spots. Do you think fans are concerned about that, even with Sam Pittman as the head coach heading into this fall? Oh, well, I think it would rank among the concerns. Um, you know, backup QB, you know, what we've seen in the games, Kate Fortin, um, you know, he, need, he would need to be better to give them a chance to win a game. I mean, he threw a great touchdown pass to Matt Landers against LSU, mm-hmm. but when he got a shot against Mississippi State, it didn't go very well. A lot of that wasn't his own problem, but it just didn't go too well. Um, and so, yeah, um, what you just mentioned will, will be uh, under – under scrutiny or, or, or a concern for fans. I mean, whether or not the receiving core is really legit. I mean, I've said over and over this summer with you guys that I what I saw from Armstrong and Tesla and, you know, Satania and, and um, Bryce Stevens, I think they're going to be okay. But what if what if Bakke and, and Wilson really come on and then suddenly you got yourself some depth? Um, and, and so I think, I think all those in safety, safety and D-tackle, um, are where your your biggest concerns. And honestly, I mean, you know, um, Fletcher kind of had the starting job to start last year and then lost it, and Reed Bauer got it back yet again. And so Fletcher's got to have – Fletcher has got to show a lot more consistency at punter than what he showed in his um, – the you know, parts of last year. You mentioned Kate Ford in the backup role. We've been told that that seems a little bit more solidified heading this year. Tom and, Tommy and I were kicking around this earlier. How many wins do you think KJ Jefferson is worth compared to if Arkansas was to lose him for the year? Um, well, I'm not sure if I understand like how that computes like into a number. Uh, but let's just say they had a healthy KJ for every game last year. I think, obviously, you, you make the argument you can win the Liberty game. Okay, and then um, the LSU game he didn't play, but yet I maintained LSU kept it on kind of just low burner just to win the game, and if they needed to, they might have opened up more. Um, so that one, to me, is, is a coin flip if KJ's healthy. Certainly Arkansas is more potent offensively in that game. Um, but the others, I mean, you know, Mississippi State, they didn't have him. Uh, what would it have meant if they did have him? I'm not sure. State got out to such a great start. It's hard to, you know, imprint KJ's presence on that game. The Alabama game, he was healthy for most of it. They were making a great comeback until that horrendous non-call on the long run um, uh, by Milrow. So I, I think two would be, you know, the two would be the the high end of how many more wins Arkansas would have had with KJ. You got your sunscreen packed for Friday. High 104, Tom. I know you're going to be out there. You got your sunscreen ready to go. Make sure you don't get burned. I've been doing a lot outside. Even though I haven't didn't have my garden this year, I keep my sunblock in the back of my car. <laughs> and so it's always very, very handy. And I'll have uh, hats and long sleeves. My dermatologist tells me to wear long sleeve and protect my arms. And so I will have all that ready to go. And I hope you guys do too. Out. Yeah, absolutely. Tom Murphy with us on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Tomorrow, uh, we're going to hear from Sam Pittman to preview camp. Ben Souders, the strength and conditioning coach, will also be alongside to uh, answer questions about summer conditioning. Why should we take more stock in what happened this summer versus previous years or any other year? Why is why is what they're telling us about this summer and the gains, why is it different this year, Tom? Uh, well, I don't know if it's, you know, remarkably different, but we do hear good things 
about what the work Vince Outard has done. I mean, I'm, I'm going to take prime example one, and that would be Landon Jackson's transformation. But um, I've talked to some of the freshmen I'm doing hard futures on, Carson Dean, for instance. He's a fast kid, and he's talking about this whole team is getting faster. So they did some things to work on not only getting everybody's body weight um, the, the way they want it, but also to increase team speed. And if you can do that, then you can make up for little errors. You can, if you turn your hips, you can catch up to a, a, a receiver maybe. Um, and uh, overall team speed is something that over the years since Arkansas has been in the SEC, they haven't been graced with a ton of it across the board type speed. But when they do have them, trailing Burks, they can be difference makers. <clears throat> and um, if, if you can do that and, and make all your weight room games translate onto the field, then you're you're all the better off for competing in the SEC. And my guess is we're going to hear more from Sam <clears throat> Pippen about the kind of the shift in mindset and the elevation of toughness compared to last year. He's, he spoke a lot about that at SEC Media Days. He <clears throat> spoke about that when he joined us here on the Morning Rush. What do you hear in what he's saying, and what do you expect to see when we get on the practice field Friday that will be different in the way he addresses toughness and the way he orchestrates and organizes practices now versus, say, a year ago? Right. Well, you got to be smart about your toughness, meaning you know how often you, you're in full pad, how often you tackle to the ground and all that. But I just think it means um, more, more mental toughness. Um, and I, I already thought that under Sam Pittman, since the game one, the Georgia game, to open 2020, they've been a different type of team. Now, they've had uh, a little bit of struggles in the close games. I mean, and that was kind of a thing in the Brett Bielema regime. You know, 2015, they should have won two or three more games. Um, and Sam Pittman, last year, you could argue they should have won a couple of more. And so, to me, the toughness is there. Um, are they a little bit tougher? you got to hope so. And then what does that mean on the field? Uh, can you make – you know, can you make that, that uh, second and, and goal from the one-yard line against LSU, can you push that in? Um, and if they can do that with more frequency, then you see how that, you know, translates into winning more football games. And, you know, it, you can simplify it that way. you got to have a talent, and you got to have toughness, and, and you got to make winning plays at key times. And um, they feel like they're in a better position to do that this season. I don't know how much practice we'll get to watch, how many scrimmages will be open for our eyes, but my guess is the scripts for practice will contain more short-yarded situations. They're going to find out who the men are on the lines of scrimmage. And it may not be fourth and goal at the one. It may be fourth and one at the 47. They're both important. I think they're going to find out who they can count on in those those big those big moments to move the chains or to get across the goal line. My guess is practices will have a, a bigger taste of that this year. Absolutely, they will, and we know that from how much they worked on it in spring. And, and you know that you know Dan Enos walks in and Sam says, "Here's where we're going to get better: short yardage, fourth down, and that kind of stuff." And you know, you triggered something in my mind when you asked me that question. I think Sam was misconstrued at media days. He said something about not going on fourth down, and so I think. The people who were there who don't cover Arkansas probably meant that he thought they went on fourth down too much. And I, and I think what he meant was he wants to be a coach who believes in his team and, and the team believes that they can convert them and they want to go on fourth down more often because that's what he, we know he talked about in spring was running third down plays with the understanding that you're going to have another down to convert it. And, um, and not that they're going to go crazy and be a team that goes 40 times on fourth downs but I think they've been maybe in the teens 
um, on on fourth down attempts, and if if they push that into the mid twenties or high twenties, then that might be an area Sam's comfortable with, and and that's all a part of what you just asked. How tough are you? Can you get fourth and one? Can you score from the goal line against LSU or Missouri? I mean, when you think about all the plays last year that backfired or you know didn't work, running Trey Knox under center and taking a snap at the oh. goal line against Missouri, that was not that was one of the worst. Oh. Thanks for reminding us, Tom. We let's end it right there. We'll uh, we'll pick it up again on Thursday. PTSD, Tom. Oh my lord! I don't think we'll see nearly yeah. as much of that stuff this year. So, all right, Tom. Good stuff. Yeah. Looking forward to talking to you Thursday. Maybe see you this weekend at practice. Yeah, it's gonna be some material right there. We'll see y'all. <laughs> there you go, Tom Murphy, with us here on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. You can call or text eight seven seven three seven seven six nine six three. I think that's one thing with Enos. We will not see. Uh, You'll not see your tight end under center probably at any point this You're year. You're not the Kansas City Chiefs. Ooh, man. The Dallas Cowboys. That's I, I said that about a million times mm. last year, and then Bryles was too wild watching too much of the enemy and Eric Green. You should have been watching what the Cowboys were doing instead. So just to put in perspective what Tom was talking about on going fourth down, if you had to guess, where do you think Arkansas ranked in fourth down conversions last year from a percentage standpoint and what they converted? Uh, mid fifties or ninety first. You completed nine well, what of was the twenty. Percentage? You asked the percentage. What was their yeah, percentage? Forty five percent. Nine of twenty. 20 high nine, nine of twenty. Forty five percent. You were ninety first well, tied in college football. The twenties is big a problem as the nine. I mean, because that tells you you have no confidence in those situations, and you need to be in short yardage situations more often. So, you know, you'd like to see obviously all the numbers grow there, but being confident in your team to go for it more than. What'd you say? Twenty nine of twenty in which a season, is only, which was of the convert or sorry of the attempts that ranked ninety fourth. Yeah, so I mean that they'll go for it more this year. Pittman exactly. was adamant about that, like Tom was that. saying. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.